Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello, everybody. It's that time of year where, as motorsport enthusiasts, we consider what excitement and entertainment we have been treated to across the season. And here at Midweek Motorsport and Radio Show Limited, we are no different. And for this programme, John Hindorf, hello, and Nick Damon will be looking back at World Superbikes. We talk about it quite a lot on Midweek Motorsport. Nick and I are big fans of two-wheeled motorsport. And first of all, we should, for those who don't know this, I I suspect that there'll be some people tuning in uh, over uh, the next hour or so who don't know the all the minutiae of every single championship we talk about. World Superbikes, Nick, is a little bit different because they effectively have three races per weekend with a, uh, two full-length races and a, effectively a sprint race that they call, confusingly, they're called Super Bowl. Um, but it does set the grid for the second race of the, the weekend. Um, so that means there's a lot of races, but there's a lot of races at a relatively small amount of meetings for most World Series nowadays. Yeah, just 12. You'd kind of think you know, they've, they've not got the memo, wouldn't you, really? <laughs> um, given the fact that it's 22 next year for MotoGP and 24 for um, F1. Now, of course, at the, as you do point out, they have two feature races in each event. So they end up with effectively a 24-round feature race and then 12 sprint races. So, well, they are super pop races because they are different now, um, the sprint race, from the, either the other two sprint races we know because they do set a grid. Neither the other two sprint races in F1 or MotoGP now reset the grid, but Correct. that does happen. Not only do you get points, but you get your, your grid reset. Um, yeah, and it's a it's a it's an evolving um, system. There's been two main races in World Superbikes for as long as I can remember, and I've been following it. Um, actually going to meetings in the early 90s in the foggy days and that sort of thing. Um, but it used to be that both the main races were on the Sunday. Uh, then they switched a few years ago to one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday, and now they've obviously upped the Sunday again with a Super Pole race as well as a main race. Um, so you get a lot, if, you, if you're going to go to the actual event, you get a, you get a you lot do. of action there. You, you get, get a lot of track time. There. Of course, you've got a, a, a Super Sport and everything else as well. So have you actually been to a, actually been to an actual meeting this year, John? Go yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely. Super Sport World Championship, Super Sport 300 World Championship uh, to support. Let's talk about the calendar then. Um, there uh, were a few changes. Because if we look back to the back end of 2022, uh, it was announced in the well, beginning of November. Uh, and then in February 2023, um, Imola was added on the 14th to the 16th of July. Then in July, Argentina was cancelled due to political reasons. And mm-hmm. uh, circuit, uh, the circuit at Jerez was the replacement. And that's actually... Um, isn't that lucky they found a Spanish track? Well, yes, indeed. <laughs> it's handy, isn't it? Um, yes. They haven't the been there since 2021, of hmm. course. Um, let's talk about what happened in the pre-season. Remy Gardner and Dominic Egerter uh, went to the Yamaha GRT World Superbike team 
Kota Nazani and Garrett Gerloff uh, were the replacement. Um, Remy Gardner had had raced uh, in MotoGP, of course, in in 2022. Tom Sykes came back to the Superbike World Championship. He uh, was on a Kawasaki for Pachetti Racing. Uh, He had been in British Superbikes in 2022. Daniello Petrucci made his full-time debut with the Barney Spark Racing Team. Uh, Garrett Gerloff hoisted uh, off his Yamaha, as we said earlier, went to BMW. Uh, replacing Eugene Laverty and Isaac Vinales uh, joined Pedicini, uh, a partnership now for 2023 with Vinales Racing. Uh, however, they didn't turn up to the first two races uh, due to sponsorship issues. Um, one or two changes mid-season that we'll get to in a moment. Uh, some of them performance-related, some of them uh, related to, uh, sadly, injury bit of a recurring story in two-wheeled uh, motor sport for 2023. Uh, believe it or not, there were... Oh, I think there was something like 36 or 37 uh, riders this year. Uh, yeah, because you get some wild cars that you sometimes turning up for their local rounds as well. 36 uh, there were, yeah. Um, however, it's really at the sharp end of the field where things were happening. I want to talk about one rider that we've just mentioned there who had an Anis Oribilis, uh, and that was Isaac, Isaac Vinales and the Kawasaki. Missed the first few rounds, so that was six races he didn't do. And his season went 23rd retired, 18th retired, 20th retired, 20th retired, 17th, 16th. Hasn't scored a point, by the way. 15th! Hurrah! Scores, scores a point. 21st, 16th retired. 22nd retired. 18th, 16th, 17th retired. 19th, 16th, 20, 20, 20 retired. 2017 didn't do the last round. Um, that was not what he was wanting, was it? No, I think, I think, I think the first thing to say... Um, because um, if you've been listening to other reviews or you listen to how we've spoken about the other major motorcycle series, MotoGP. MotoGP, you know, there are eight Ducatis and on any weekend, any one of them can win. Mm-hmm. Realistically, whilst there are a very, there's a very big field, if you're not in the actual works version of the bike, mm-hmm. your chances are significantly low to virtually zero. In fact, the only non-works rider in the top six is Axel Bassani, and he's on a, on a Ducati, which is the best bike. The, other, the others, really, the top three teams had their five riders up the top. So, you know, it, it is a case where you are not seeing that kind of uh, filtering down a full race spec um, to the people who are, you know, uh, uh, in the in the in the non-works bike, so you'll see a lot of people who who you may have heard of, who seen who you think should be doing better, who may have had a poor season, but they aren't necessarily starting on exactly equal machinery. It's not it's not like you know it's not like a, a ropey Ford DFV with a gearbox trying to compete in in 2024, but you know it's still um, you know it's not quite the same. No, um, partway through the season, Tom Sykes and Pachetti Kawasaki split. That was, I think, four rounds in. I, think, I don't think he managed. I think he just didn't get bre- breaking down, didn't he? he just yeah, had, oh, they were having a mechanical failure, mechanical failure, mechanical failure. Yeah, uh, and he went on to Rocket BMW uh, to substitute for Michael Vandermark, who had a uh, a nasty another, another injury. Yeah, a really nasty left femur fracture, 
at the Dutch round. Ivo, Ivo Miguel Lopez um, jumped in for, for one race there. So Sykes, he didn't have the season that, that he was hoping for. And uh, effectively, um, by half season, he was he was finished. He did uh, four rounds on the Kawasaki and then a couple of rounds on the BMW. So he finished in, in 20th position. Um, Bradley Ray came into the championship um, and uh, after he won the 2022 BSB, British Superbike Championship, he only did the European rounds. Um, he knew it was a learning process. Scored points uh, in, I think, five rounds. Um, I think he would have been like to have been up there, but he's get, he got some experience uh, on... The Yamaha uh, scored 19 points over the season, which was only one behind the full-time uh, ride, Yamaha rider of Lorenzo Baldessari. Uh, he was uh, runner-up in 2022 in Supersport. That was Agata who won that, didn't he? Um, mm. uh, and so that was a lot of a lot of finishes outside the points. Uh, we spoke about Van der Mark, um, missed the middle part of the season. Clocked up 54 points on the BMW. Loris Baz did the full season except one round. Why did he not start? Oh, he had that off, didn't he, at the second round and didn't get uh, didn't get back in. But lots of fallings off. 60 points there um, in uh, 16th position for Loris Baz. Uh, then you go up through uh, Ducati of uh, Ertel. Um, on 124 points, big jump. 126, uh, Scott Redding, another weird and year. That's, and that's the best BMW. Uh, no, Garrett Gerloff. Equal better. Yeah, sorry, 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 I missed Garrett Gerloff because he wasn't actually a works BMW. Yes, correct. And that was the best of the works BMWs. You're right in saying that. There was there was a great hope for BMW. And there was times that we thought they'd turned the corner last year. It proved to be a bit of a flash in the pan then. And you look at Scott... I mean, he's a feisty character. He calls a spade a expletive deleted shovel. Um, he got in the points plenty of times, but he just wasn't near the sharp end. I don't think he got on the podium, did he? No, he, his best was a fourth. Mm. Uh, and, and that's not going to give you the kind of, um, the kind of season that you want. Yeah, it's a kind of a, a mystery uh, why BMW can't, win or even be relatively successful in world superbike because they've been trying now <laughs> what, 12 years uh, in a couple of different goes i think it's if generally accepted that the road bike um is one of if not the best i'd certainly say that well you have um, one. uh you have but, one but but, but it, it is generally accepted that that when they got the uh s1000rr right on the road they got it absolutely right there was a lot of people said bmw i, I me, I said this because at the time I was riding flat twin BMWs and everything was flat twin BMW with a four-cylinder sports bike. Of course, they'd done it before with the 1300s and, and things like that. But even so, it seemed an odd thing for them to do. But my goodness, they got it right for the road bike. But they've well, never also, seen a crack the Well, cord. no, some of the other race bikes. Don't forget, they've won the TT. They win super. They win super stock. Yes, yes. But when good you point. move into the this kind of <laughs> because World Superbike is a very, very strange 
um, set of regulations. Formula, yeah. It's not exactly a prototype, and it's not That's, exactly... That would be more to GP. It's not exactly a reworked um, robot. Because effectively, you take the robot, effectively, all they keep is the frame, and then they work on the frame as well. Mm. And then everything else, suspension is new, wheels is new, brakes are new, electric is new. You know, the engine has to have the same basic architecture as the race engine, but the race, you know, there's no shortage of power on any of the particular bikes. Um, so the fact that, given many generations, BMW still can't find, unlock the code, and, and their problem this year was um, they had a, they actually were a bit worse than last year because they, 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 they not only they have tyre issues, which, they, which kind of eliminated them from most of the second the longer races. And they didn't really have that blistering pace we'd seen either, so they didn't even cap- capitalise at all on um, a sprint. I think the only time they were near, I think they weren't there, didn't Garrett Gerloff put it on pole in a damp session in France? Yeah, and then might be right. blew blew the two starts. Well, I think he blew. I think he got involved in instance in the two starts. Um, so they, you sit there and you kind of think they must be at a crossroads of do we bother continuing or do we, you know, just throw in the towel? And, and then obviously they've made the the big move to carry on, and they've made the big move to carry on with the um, the absolute star signing of next year. But that's for later in the show. Uh, Scott will stay on BMW for 2024, but it moves over to the satellite team Bonovo. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a strange one. Uh, one place ahead and uh, just under twenty points ahead. Uh, is Ica Lacona, uh, Ica Lacona mm. Gascon, actually, but Ica yeah. Lacona, uh, he, uh, he's the first Honda rider that we're going to talk about on the CPR 1000RR-R. Oh, uh, RR. Yeah. Uh, 2020 and 2021, of course, he was at Tech 3 um, in MotoGP with KTM. Uh, a solid points scorer, for most of the season, but again, not a single podium. No, and I don't think he ever got close. And, we, and, we, and I'm sure we look at his teammate, Javi uh, Vieira, because the thing about it is, is Honda um, are even more at sea than BMW. Yeah. Uh, Honda, of course, you actually do have history of, of, of great success in World Superbikes, um, you know, certainly around the turn of the, of the millennia, you know, with uh, Kaczynski and actually one of um, Foggy's titles, I think, was one of Honda, was that he wrote with the Honda mm. for a couple of years. Um, with the RC45 and, things like that, and the RC30 originally, of course. And they were kind of almost, their, their dominance was kind of legislated away in the early days when they allowed the twins to have more capacity. So it was kind of a, you know, the, well, there's been politics and machinations in motorsports since day one. Don't think it only happened really? last year. Don't really? Think it only, don't think Abu Dhabi 21 was the first time things were very dodgy. Mm. Um, but uh, <laughs> Honda, you know, the Honda bike it came back a couple of years ago and it's kind of mirrored the same problems they have in um, in. MotoGP and it's just just not very quick and they don't seem to be able to get a handle on it and the boys do seem to fall off quite a lot mm. it's um yeah it's a, it's a difficult beast that's not competitive from a factory that's spending money and should be uh, and bear in mind that in the top 20 riders um uh, that there, there are only the two those the two Honda riders that we're going to talk about and their points even if you added them together wouldn't put them in the top 3 in the championship, I don't mm. think. Um, might just, actually, I always said that. Um, let's no, it wouldn't. No? no? Okay, okay. Uh, one point uh, ahead of Ica Lacona is Garrett Gerloff. He went to BMW and the M1000RR2 for this year. Uh, again, uh, not troubling the podium. Best position of a fourth in the first race at... 
in France at they're Magni Cool. Magni Cool, they yeah, they yeah. Were, that's right. Um, and they, he, he followed that up with another fourth in race one at Portugal. Uh, in fact, two fourths in in Portugal as well. Um, Gerloff, who is uh, has been the darling of American motorsport racing before he came. Uh, over in 2020 when he rode for Yamaha, if memory serves. He and did. He hasn't quite managed to to dial himself in. that There's, there's flashes of potential there. Um, you could say he's not on the right bike, and, and that would be reasonable. He, he is the best of the BMWs on 144 points. So in that respect, um, has he done enough with the machinery? You might say, yes, he has. Don't know, do we? No. He is consistently inconsistent, uh, uh, is Garrett. <laughs> and um, he has hot days and cold days, good moments and bad moments. Yes. Um, superb tactics and brain fade, often all within the same the same lap. Um, <laughs> certainly a talent. Um, but he is now limited by us not knowing what's holding him back. Mm. Now, if he stays on BMW next year with someone else on BMW who um, will be a, a talisman, at least we'll be able to see where he is. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think, it, I'm sure he's disappointed. But, it, but I don't think it was a disappointing season given the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, we move up uh, another five points, very tight at the in the early teens and actually into the bottom of the top 10 in terms of points, despite those 36 races we were talking about, 24 full-length races and the uh, Super Bowl sprint races. Uh, Alex Laws is next. He's been, in some ways, he's had the hardest job in any uh, in any uh, motorsport category because since 2019, uh, the end of 2019, when he signed for Kawasaki Racing Team, he's been teammate to Jonathan Ray who everybody knows Jonathan Ray knows what he's going to get. He got one podium this year, uh, I think three uh, fourth positions, had a a break uh, after France uh, for injury, uh, and then, uh, again, a problem towards the end of the season with a couple of races he didn't get to the the start of. Um, I think you've got to feel a bit sorry sometimes for, for Alex Laws because... There have been times it's in the last three years when he has been on a, a competitive bike, but it's 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 a Jonathan Ray bike, isn't it? It's not a Alex Laws bike. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I feel I feel sorry for his injuries this season because yeah. I think he was unlucky. He got he, he was really having was. a very good French round and he got taken. I think I don't know. He got taken out. It was a misunderstanding. I think it was with with, with Top Rack, which stuck him into a gravel trap, and then he had a very bad fall from that yeah it's one of those things which you know, nine times out of ten it would be bounce 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 that's slightly stiff on a monday but he had a, mm. a, a injury that took him out for a while from that from that kind of seemingly you know pretty common um coming together i don't feel particularly sorry for alex lowe's um he's been on a great bike he's still on the great bike he's been well paid and and as of next year he'll be team leader mm. or his co-team leader so yeah he's been retained and and you kind of think that if uh, Jonathan hadn't decided to move, would he have been retained? I think the fact they've retained him is because they want... Not, not Consistency. Saying partic- I'm not saying he's particularly underperforming, but he's not, he's, he's not someone you're ever going to say is going to be world champion. Um, so, yeah, it does... Kawasaki move into next year without a recognised team leader. Um, and unless the bike's really improved, it's going to be a bit of a struggle for them, I think. Uh, next up, 10th position... Um, with a Honda, Savivier here, being with Honda 
since 2022. Again, single podium, 149 points. Actually, same points total as Where Alex. Where did he get a podium? Uh, he got a podium at round two uh, in... Uh, at oh, round yeah, two in the race two, race. you're right. Yeah, in yeah, Indonesia. Race two in, in Wow, I forgot that Mandalika. entirely. Well done. Um, uh, well, well done. He got a podium, but everything else I said about Honda applies to him as well. Yeah, he was on, as I say, the same points as Alex, but had one better Very finish. nice bloke. Very nice bloke. You met him in this thing, that thing for the World Superbikes. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. Um, not much more to say about that. I mean, it's not. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to, to to gloss over someone's season, but it's just so bike controlled yeah. that you kind of think, well, I, you know, I, I can't say if, if Xavi is the, is the greatest rider ever or the worst rider ever because it's just he's doing what he can do with the bike. So, Honda, I mean, Honda must do better. They they haven't had a good bike for a long time in superbikes. Well, we've got, I'll be honest with you, we've got five manufacturers in, uh, well, superbikes, and you could say must do better definitely applies to three of them and possibly to the fourth one as well. Well, well, well Honda finished bottom of the Manufacturers' Championship. So Honda finished on 205 points, uh, had one podium finish in any of the races across the whole year. BMW were next up on 224. Their best was a fourth. Um, Kawasaki... Um, was the third best finisher on 393. They had plenty of podiums and a single victory. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Yamaha was second on 581. Uh, lots and lots. and In fact, in terms of uh, their riders being on the podium, they were only not on the podium at one race during the season. And then you have Degatti, who were only not on the podium at one race as well, a fifth place. Uh, but they basically pretty much won everything else. Uh, 704 points to 581. So Honda, for Honda to finish, Nick, the bottom of the manufacturers will be a source <coughs> of, of much wringing of hands back at Honda at HRC uh, back in Japan. But do they learn, John? They haven't really learned in MotoGP ever. They're, they're having to. They're, they're kind of. They were giving lip service to Europeanizing how, their how, team to keep Marquez, and I think it's the same problem. I think they've they've got left behind by, you know, how long yeah, can you they and, keep doing this? Well, Does it, it affect their standing as a road bike manufacturer? I don't know. I think it's 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 testament to their commitment to racing. They carry on going. To yes, be honest, I'd agree. With um, you. But you think let's let's really think about this. I passed my bike test in nineteen ninety one. Right. Yeah, and I made the absolute. I'm a salesman with too much my left field decision to buy a Ducati from one of the five Ducati dealerships in the country. Mm-hmm. In when everyone what, said what, that, been a seven seven nine eight five one eight five one. Oh, but I wish you still had so, it. Uh, I wish I had the next one, which was triple eight SP four. But they. Um, but the point about it is that, that was a mad thing to do because yes. it was the big four. You bought yourself a Kawasaki, bought yourself a Honda, bought yourself a Suzuki, bought yourself a Yamaha. Yeah, and that was the same for racing. That was the same for everything else. Well, yeah, I, I was I was Suzuki. My first bike was a JSX seven fifty. My first new bike was an RF nine hundred. Um, I, I I salute you going to Cutty in those days. <laughs> I had, I had f- friends who did to Cutties. Number one, I mean, they were always lovely looking bikes. Um, and they were very light. I, I remember uh, a friend of mine, Paul, who swapped his bike, you know, two or three times a season. I didn't. I, I got a bike and kept it. Um, and I remember getting on his, 
Might have been a 9-1-6, actually. And well, that's a bit later then. Yeah, it was a bit later. Um, and thinking to myself, wow, this is amazing. And it was amazing for 20 minutes, and then I couldn't wait to get off it. Mm. Um, Gary Dodds roared a CBR 1000. Uh, Ian Hall, another one of my mates, he was a Kawasaki guy. And, you know, y- you're right. It was, a, it was an odd thing, and everybody followed that. And those were making... Those were the manufacturers who were making big strides in in motor racing. It's only when Ducati started to take, um, I suppose, started to take World Superbike seriously that that kind of changed. Yeah, I mean, and they had to have you know, up front. They had to have concessions to be able to do it. But yes, they they they, they built World Superbikes during the nineties and they started winning, and then the Japanese manufacturers came at them. And obviously, you know, correspondingly in MotoGP, it was all you know, the Japanese manufacturers. But over the past seven or eight years, it's, it's gradually the innovation has moved towards Europe. Mm. Now, it's not quite so evident within World Superbike, even though we've had an absolutely dominated season by Ducati, because, of course, we don't have the same aero situations in World Superbikes that we do in mm. um, MotoGP, because, of course, the fairings have to be pretty much a, a silhouette of the fairings on the road bikes. So yes. that's one of the areas where it isn't, it is... Um, uh, more limited, but what you the have is- started to get now, like with the next next version of your bike, your BMW, the road bike to homologate the aero yeah. has got the aero on it. Same with the Ducati, yeah. the V4S. It's you know, and and you look at it and you go, uh, yeah, there is a, there is a new fireblade coming out for next season that may have some some aero pieces on it. But this is where you know, kind of this is where in many ways traditional Japanese manufacturing left behind. And also, if you look at the teams. You know, the Kawasaki team is based in Europe. The Yamaha team is based in Europe. You know, that's that's where they are based. They, they, you know, it's 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 run. Yes, it's Japanese money and some key Japanese investment in in engines. But Honda is still very much more based as as a Japanese team. There's nothing wrong with being Japanese, but it doesn't necessarily work so well in the fast moving place of motorsport. Yeah. You know, once you haven't got that, once you haven't got that technological advantage, which for so many years mm. um, Japanese manufacturers had, it begins to become more of a, of a handicap. Some of the more uh, prosaic decision making procedures. D- Ducati were very early uh, onto motorcycle aero, both at the bottom of the fairing when the bikes leaned over and with the winglets front and rear. They spent a lot of time in Audis wind tunnel um, when they were part of the Audi technology group. Uh, let's move further up in the top 10 uh, from 149 points to 156. Remy Gardner, 2021 Moto2 world champion, son of Wayne Gardner, who was the 1987 world champion, of course. I'm looking across and I think his best result was a fourth late on in the season in the, in the uh, Super Bowl race at Portugal and then finished off the season uh, at Hedeth with a fourth position as well. Yeah, I suppose it's a learning a learning year for... On a Yamaha, we should say. Yeah, so Remy, obviously, he's, he's got Moto2, MotoGP, World Superbikes in three seasons. So it's, you, you've not had a chance to settle. You've not had a chance to, mm. to learn the bikes. Obviously, the bike he had to learn was Moto2 and he won it. So you think, yeah, second year is um, required. Again, it's been to see what standard of, of bike he gets. Um, and you know at that point he can he can see if he can push on and uh, and actually get onto the podium. But it's you know it's it's, it's a tall order with the with the the, the, the logjam of great of, of great superbike riders on great superbikes. Uh, next up, and again, it's another handful of points, one fifty six to one fifty three for Dominique Domi Agata, uh, Swiss uh, Super Sport World Champion in twenty one and twenty two, Moto E, which was a World Cup in twenty twenty. 
two, and he... No, he, did he get a podium? I think he did. Was he on podium at the last race of the season? No, he got a pole, didn't he? He got a pole, and he got... He was on po- a podium in, in, yeah, in the very last race of the year. Yeah, so eighth position for Domi. I'm really pleased that his hard work in Supersport and Mortal E, when he did a double, um, a double championship year in 2022, I'm, I'm pleased that that's been recognised on the Yamaha... Um, a good, a good building, yeah. Um, you, um I, I think the problem with Domiagata is, is you once you got into a race, more often than not, he seemed to be going backwards. Yeah, good qualifier. Um, you know, obviously, apart from the final round, where I say I just looked up, and he actually got a second in the sprint race as well. Oh so yes, he did. Yes, he had a he had a very good final round. So he's, he's springboards from that, John. He's, he's going to come come to the top three of the world championship, but um, <laughs> yeah, but it's. It, that, you know, he did seem to just go backwards. Now, you know, often there's many reasons for that. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a problem with the rider, but I, I remain unconvinced, I'll be honest with you. I know you're a fan, but I'm unconvinced. Uh, it's uh, hobsweets. Uh, <laughs> into the phalanx of Ducatis uh, in the top seven. Uh, four of the top seven uh, are Ducati riders, and the first one at seven is Dan- Danilo Petrucci. I went to... Uh, America, of course, and did more to America. Um, and after he lost his KTM ride in Moto GT at the end of 2021, he jumped over into superbikes on a Ducati. Um, I think he was the only one of the top riders who actually got disqualified this year in the first <laughs> round in Spain. It, uh, Barcelona, sorry, uh, Spain doesn't narrow it down. Uh, no, he, not at all. No, not at all. Three, uh, two second, uh, two thirds and a second and 228 points. So that, we, we've gone from Domi Agata on 163 to 228. And there's another little group of three riders here um, in the three, three, Ita- three of the four Italians in the top 10. Mm. Um, Petrucci, Pisani uh, and Rinaldi, who are all very close together. Let's talk about Daniello Petrucci to start. Well, I think it's interesting because um, if you want an example of a person who is a very different physical build on the same bike, you look mm-hmm. at Dino Petrucci and Alvaro Bautista. Petrucci is probably the biggest rider in the field and Bautista is the smallest rider in the field. I'm not saying that's the only reason there's 400 points between them, but um, <laughs> given the fact that one of the things they're going to start doing is, is ballasting the bikes of the lighter riders up for next year. I'm big boned. He- I'm big boned. <laughs> no. That's what he is. Dino's a big lad. He he's is. A, he's, he's, he's a chunky. big guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's why he tends to shine in the, in, in the wet, where power to weight is actually works in your benefit to have more weight, more mechanical grip. So We are not I think saying that, he is unfit, by the way, and we no, are not no, no, saying he's, he's, he's carrying no, a few no, extra saying, pounds. No, I'm just saying he is a physically large-boned, large-framed, tall man. And, and why he's, that's important, Nick, particularly on superbikes, is because of the limited amount of things you can do with the aerodynamics and for him just getting down below and inside the aero wake of the fairing is actually really really difficult there's because he's broad and tall there's bits of him that stick out effectively yeah, yeah. It's, or it's, ineffectually, actually. Ineffectually, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's a difficult thing. I mean, and, and power to weight is always very, very important. If you're carrying 30 kilos more or 20 kilos more than Alvaro Bautista, you are at a disadvantage in mm-hmm. any dry condition. You'll wear your tyres out faster. You'll have, obviously, less acceleration. It'll be hard to slow the bike down. 
you know, 20 kilograms in a 200 kilogram bike is, is, is a lot. And don't forget, if you look at um, you know, Formula One, they are, the driver is including the weight of the car. So mm. there's no advantage of being light, really ballast, but apart from that, which is very limited. But yeah, so I mean, I'm not saying that he, I'm not for one moment saying that he was the same size about he as he would have beaten him, but he'd be a lot closer, I think. Uh, Axel Bassani next up uh, to, what do, what do we say, Bassani, 2.49 mm-hmm. for Axel Bassani, uh, being with uh, Ducati since 2021. Yeah, still not on the works bike, and rather too keen on running into other Ducatis. Um, <laughs> but, well, or, or them running into him. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Bassani had a good season for him. I think he is he is he is a rider who is very good um, satellite team rider. Hence the fact he didn't get the works bike that was available, uh, which went to the S to, to the World Superbike uh, Superbike Champion, whose name is escaping me at the moment um, for next year. So he'll carry on being on the satellite bike. Uh, and I would think he'll carry on picking up lower um, podium results. 15. Um, and, and, and running into people. Uh, 15, <laughs> I think 16, so half the season, uh, in the top six in, yeah, I mean, in all the races. You know, it's a good, bike, the best and he rides, a good bike and he rides it well, but he's not in that elite three. Uh, Michael Ruben Ronaldi. Uh, he was champion in European Superstock 1000. We're back in 20. 16, uh, he is riding a Ducati, started the season, um, interestingly, Phillip Island, was 14th in the first uh, of the major races, then two seconds, uh, and then it took him all the way until the second race in Barcelona to get back on the podium, but then Misano, second and a third and a falling off, then he was back on the podium at Manicor, won at Aragon, that was a, that was a, that first race was mega, um, and third in race two, third in race two at Jerez as well. Uh, he is on two fifty one points. So again, those those three Italians split by just twenty uh, odd points. He ends up in fifth position. Yeah, and you know he's lost his works ride. He had two years. He didn't do it. Simple as that. Mm. Alvaro is a very high benchmark, but you don't finish. 380 points behind your teammate um, and expect to retain your ride. Um, he just didn't didn't make the move. He's, he's, yes, a couple of races will be fantastic at. You know, I think he tripled one race in his earlier season, won all three of the races a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, just hasn't got the consistency. That's what it comes down to. It just isn't consistent enough. Um, therefore, he'll go back to the, to the, um, the satellite teams. One place ahead, another Italian. Uh, Italians, interestingly, dominating the top 10. Um, although there's a lot of Spanish flags in the top position, uh, the top finishing positions when you look at the, the overall finishes, but obviously most of that is down to one rider. Andrea Locatelli, uh, 2020 Supersport World Champion, made the jump up to uh, the uh, World Superbikes with Yamaha. A season, certainly the first third of the season, that actually looked pretty good. He was never out of the top six for the first, well, in fact, until the second race of Barcelona. Then a bit of a quiet couple of rounds, hit a bit of form again uh, in the second half of the year, but just didn't get that consistency back. Yeah, I mean, look at the obviously, um, give you an example, he is only uh, just, a, just a mere 230 points behind his teammate, um, but mm. did seem to push on a little bit, and, and certainly at the start of the season, it looked like he was you know much, much closer to breaking into that top three, especially as 
Jonathan Ray was struggling even more with the Kawasaki than he had been in the previous He was last only 43 years. points off the top three. Yeah, and he was in third for a large part of the season. Yes, he was. Um, Johnny put in a bit of a sprint, a bit of a sprint, a bit of a kind of a point sprint towards the end and got past him by 40. So I don't think Locatelli's had a bad season whatsoever. So, you know, I think it's... Uh, and, and obviously he'll get his chance to measure himself directly against Jonathan Ray next year. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Ray in third position. 327 points for Locatelli. So comfortably, you know, 70 points ahead of the other Italians behind him. Uh, and some, what, 40... Uh, odd 30 odd points behind Jonathan Ray for Kawasaki um, who had again I mean not a bad season he oh no it was a bad season well I was I was gonna say if you just look at the results okay he only had one win but the rest of the time he was around the top five for all bar four finishes Um, but that for him is not the season he wanted he ends up in uh, in third place on 370 points uh, for any other rider on the grid the the run particularly from the British Grand Prix at Donington through to where really Portugal right the way through Aragon when he was barely off the podium and took that single victory one of only three riders by the way this year who who took a victory in any form of the racing but he's made the decision that the Kawasaki isn't um, isn't competitive. He rode the wheels off that Kawasaki at times. Um, and I'm, I'm convinced that very few, if any other riders on the grid, could have got the results he got. Well, his teammate scored half the points. so Or less than half the points. But in fact, only about a third of the points. Um, no, Johnny, Johnny Ray had a... a, a yeah, the, effectively, I, I don't know where Johnny Ray's true score... I don't know whether he's now... is. Due to age, everything else, the third best rider in World Superbikes. I don't know. I'm absolutely certain he's not 180 points worse than Toprak or 250 points worse than Alvaro. Yeah. Um, the fact was, the only race he won was in the damp, um, it most in, in the Czech round. Yeah. Um, when Alvaro fell off and uh, Toprak actually for once settled for a, a good score. Yeah. Um, the rest of the time he was there or thereabouts, he got podiums and he, he did get better in the second half of the season. But he was when he got the podiums, he was behind somebody else. It wasn't always, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily Bautista or Radzicka. Even you know, he, a couple of people took surprise wins and surprise high podiums behind them. I think you know he, he he's a fighter. He's, he he pushed, but the biggest problem was the bike wasn't brilliant, and then it had really bad rear tire wear. Uh, yeah. In comparison to the other two, so he was effectively hamstrung in the worst way possible. Because even if you could get, because I think if you if you gave points for number of races led, it'd be very. I think the actual number of races led was much more similar. Uh, yeah, he probably led at least what well, the, 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 thirty six races this year. I reckon he led, led at, re, at least half of them at some point. Yeah, and ended up with one win because the bike just faded so badly. Yeah, and that's not him. That's the bike. Now I. Personally, don't think yeah. You know, I I I think that Alvaro would have won regardless. But I think the, the, the disappointment for John is Johnny is he just he, the bike was so far off, and then you sit there, you're miles off. Yeah. What can you do? He's not getting any younger. He's got a couple of years left in him. You know, realistically, do you stay with the team where you've achieved six world championships, or do you just try something else? Because he, he, I'm sure he knew what the what the the developments coming for the Kawasaki were, and he thought well, that's not going to be enough. Mm. So what's the point? So therefore, you know, then it became an opportunity when Top Rack decided to go to BMW because um, he got annoyed with Yamaha. We can talk about that in two minutes' time. Um, and there was an opportunity to go to Yamaha. Now the Yamaha is a better bike 
than um, the Kawasaki at the moment. Now, you can say that Tech Brack is also a better rider. That's obviously a matter of opinion. The fact is the bike doesn't fade at the end of races, which yeah. the Kawasaki does. So yeah. that's, a, that's a black and white difference between the two machines. So you think, right, I'll go and try it on that one because I've got a couple of years left. They're going to pay me decent money for a couple of years and let's see what can happen. Well, and obviously, he has the advantage that, that, yeah, that, that, that there's a development program and the advantage that as the rules change next year, it will slightly hamstrung I, the current champion. I think the riding style of Top Rock, Razgadlioglu, I'll say that one for you. Thank you. Um, and Jonathan in his pomp are not that different because they both are very, very good on the brakes. Top Rack is exceptional on the brakes. Johnny, that, that used to be Johnny's, one of Johnny's trump cards. Uh, the Kawasaki hasn't been able to give him that front-end fail. He messed about with all kinds of different tyre choices this year as well. Um, and they, they changed what they could do in terms of the setup on the front end to try and give them more feel, the change brakes as well, didn't they, at various stages. So I, I, I wonder if we'll see a renaissance of, of, of Johnny on, on the Yamaha I mean, that's for next year. Let's talk about Top Rack, the Turkish wizard. Um, the Titanic uh, threesome really came down to a d- dynamic duo because of what Nick was saying. Be, uh, at the start of races... You, you had Johnny Ray in there, but then there was a lot of times that he was sitting back in in third, fourth, and fifth position and just couldn't get anywhere near him. He had a run of third positions, Johnny did, um, to, in the middle of the season that was extraordinary. But the problem was that the top two in the championship finished ahead of him both times in one order or the other. Second place in the championship, 5.52 points to 6.28. Top rock, top rock, Razgat Lioglu, um, who almost matched... Bautista uh, in his pace and certainly in his commitment, but did it ultimately just come down to the bike not being there, Nick? Am, am I being, am I being, I'm, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Alvaro, but there were some times when Rathgadliaglu, and he, I mean, he fell off a couple of times trying it. Um, there just seemed to be nothing that even. The, the magic of Top Rack could do to keep that Yamaha either in front of or right on the rear well, wheel of yeah. the eventual champion. We'll talk about Bautista's season in a few moments' time. Uh, Top Rack was playing catch-up um, the All whole way, way through, through. Yeah. and realistically, um, he did a very, very good job with a bike that wasn't, or, or a combination of bike and rider. And Bautista rode very well and had... Um, Physical advantages, um, which which meant that he could he could and he maximised. You know, unlike a couple of years ago, when he, when he blew it, of course, he maximised that that championship opportunity to 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 back to back the championship. And he and he looked good. And the bikes, you know, I think I think that the, to be honest with you, I think it's a year too late. The reigning back of the the Ducati, which has been allowed to get away with a few things, but hey ho, that's the way it works. It's life. Um, but I think that, you know, the fact that I'm sure it's very disappointing he didn't win the championship and probably disappointed he didn't win as many races. And I think, you know, there was a kind of this concept of what happens next. Is he going to go to MotoGP? Apparently it wasn't a very good test. They didn't put him in. He got annoyed. And then I think he just basically thought, oh, you know. To hell you know, with it. To heck with it. And he got the offer from BMW. Now there's, you know, not even the most optimistic optimist is going to say that BMW is going to be challenging for the championship next year, it's just I mean, I'm, and, I, and obviously personally, there's nothing I'd rather see more. Um, well, but, as we said earlier, the, the BMW isn't isn't a patch. I mean, certainly isn't the patch on the Yamaha. Never mind the Ducati. 
Well, it combines. It combines. Basically, if you look at a problem for, he's got the same rear tire wear problem the Kawasaki without the uh, the other the advantage of the Kawasaki. But you know, there's a again, there's a, an investment. There's a talk about what we're going to do. There's an idea with, with they haven't. They, they think they've now got a top line rider to be on it and, and develop it and move from there. So let's see what happens. It's a multi-year project. He's not going to win next year again. You know, the, 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 I'm sure he thinks he can win the odd race, he, and who knows? Because it's it's it, it, yeah, the, the things can be improved. But he is a, a very 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 good superbike rider. Um, he's got a lot of uh, very useful talents and skills. I think he's now got the experience to help develop the bike. So let's see what happens. But you know, Yamaha, I think, was surprised to lose him. And they obviously scramble around immediately, and then surprise us all by signing Johnny Ray. So they've showed their their, their intent to continue being a top top line uh, challenging point uh, bike here in the in the championship. But in many ways, top back was on a hiding to nothing because um, the advantage that the Ducati and Bautista package has was just too great. And he probably with it again. You know, when you look at how many times on the podium, like I think the only time, the only time I remember him falling off was the tire failed. Mm. So he actually he had in three a, a, non finishes. Um, mm. Sorry, are you talking about? Batista or uh, top rack? No, I'm talking about top rack. Top rack had a tire failure. I think he, he had two. He had two non-finishes, and those were the only times that he finished off. Oh no, sorry, and uh, in the sprint race at Jerez, so two non-finishes, and at the sprint race at Jerez was the only time that top rack finished off any race podium in 36. That's a yeah. hell of a season. That's a great season because I say I know at least one of those three non-finishes wasn't his fault. So I can't remember the other two. They may well be. I don't know what they were either, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a great season. He he rode really well, but you know he was up against a package that was too good. Seven wins for Top Rack against twenty-six for Alvaro Bautista, who retired three times and was uh, when he finished. Um, there was only there were only two finishers that were not first or second. Um, he had one third. Everything oh, else was first or second. What a failure. A re- two retirements, a tenth and a twelfth. I mean, yeah, well, what a well, season. 628 well, yeah. points. And the key point about this is he won the first 13 feature races. Yeah. So he, he dropped a couple of sprints in that, but basically he 13, the first 13 big points playing races he won. And he carried on winning after that, which Nick, obviously he didn't. there was no weekend where he didn't, never mind, didn't stand on a podium. There was no weekend where he didn't win a race. In fact, if I look across, I don't think there was a weekend where he didn't win a feature race. No, there wasn't. So, so all the big races he he could have won, he, he pretty much did win. I mean, extraordinary. How yeah. much... And, and we say, how much of that is the bike? How much is that is the rider? Well, he got 628 points. The next best Ducati rider was Rinaldi on 251. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean the thing about it is, is it's a, one of those kind of um, beautiful combinations. Perfect that, storm. That, that oh, come together. Yeah. Um, the Ducati, of course, was, was the only bike that was significantly better in the second half of a race than the start. Well, I think mm-hmm. about basically the fact was the Yamaha and the Kawasaki were as quick as it to begin with. Then the Kawasaki began to fade. Then the Yamaha began to fade. But the, the Ducati never faded uh, with Bautista on top of it. Bautista is a little jockey of a rider. So he has a 10 or 15 kilogram advantage over everyone else before he starts. That's going to disappear next year. But he absolutely maximised it. Now, of course, you know, we know five or six years ago he didn't maximise it, managed to lose a championship. Oh. But last couple of years, he's, he's turned around. He's, and he's, he's not no spring chicken. I think he's, is he 40? Say 39 or 40. And it's interesting how 
because of airbag suits, motorcycle riders are getting older these days. Yeah. Um, but he's a great rider. I mean, he's a fantastic rider, and he's totally in tune with that bike. And nothing we've said should he's make 39. anyone think he doesn't. Nothing we've said should make anyone think he doesn't completely deserve the championship because you oh, need no, no, to no. have a good bike underneath you, and he's maximised it. I do personally think that the, again, I think that they've been that Ducati have been given a little bit too much leeway over the last couple of years. Some of the, you know, the this raining back of rev limits was a little bit severe on Kawasaki when uh, Johnny was dominating. It hasn't been quite so uh, aggressive on Ducati, but there's certainly the next set of regulations mm. to easing things up. That should be fine. And but but I still there's no reason to think that even with this minor disadvantage of not well, minor balancing of not being a few kilograms lighter, he's not going to come out of the. Uh, um, the traps and uh, absolutely uh, dominate. Well, not dominate, but do really well. Go. I mean, you know, the, the, the point Nick. about it is his two challenges are both on new bikes. Yes, uh, and he had three race victories, so he swept the top step of the podium half of the rounds, six out of twelve rounds in twenty twenty three. Now, interestingly, though. Because of the vagaries of how it's scored, we talked about the Manufacturing Championship, which Ducati uh, cleaned up on. Um, Aruba Racing, Ducati, um, only won the team's championship on countback because they finished on exactly the same points as Pat Yamaha um, on 879. And if... So basically, if... Um, it was 55... Last year, Locatelli. Who, yeah, if Locatelli had finished better than tenth in the last race, Patti Yamaha would have won the team's championship. They are to be a team, you need two riders. Well, in, in, indeed, so. Um, what uh, I, I like that it looks when you when you look at the the stark numbers, it looks like a walkover for Bautista and. In terms of the numbers and and the points, it it, it was in that respect, and, and all the stats. And yet, I was still entertained, Nick. There was still plenty going on between Bautista and Top Rack and Johnny being there sometimes. Locatelli was was in the mix a few times. Michael Rubin Rinaldi had a few times when he was he was up there buzzing around the back and getting and getting poured here. Um, so there was still interest, though. Yeah, I think, yes, there was still interest. It wasn't the same level it has been in previous years, to be honest. I, I, I can't sugarcoat that. I think the thing is that motorcycle racing tends to be interesting regardless because there's so many more variables and so many more things that can happen. And, and There's always and jeopardy, isn't there? There's, yeah, exactly. Much more jeopardy. And I think also, as we've explained, the way that the bikes ebbed and flowed during the races meant you kind of had hope that something was going to happen and then it was crushed about halfway through the race mm. where he swept in the lead and disappeared off in the distance. Because it was a, yeah, no, it's happened again. Um... This is again nothing against Bautista. I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm all for, I'm for his competition, and I want to see um, I want to see the three of them absolutely go or anybody actually just going for it right into the last lap. But you know the the, the, the longevity of the, the, the Bautista rear tire and his ability to ride it that well because that's obviously the, the, your your rear tire condition is not just convert, uh, conveyed by the chassis; it's also conveyed by the rider uh, was too strong for the riders and the bikes elsewhere on the field. Yeah, uh, a new look, as we said, for next year in terms uh, of where some of the top riders are going with two out of the top three moving. That'll be interesting. Um, Tara McKenzie and Adam Norridin are uh, stepping up uh, for 2024 as well. The 
Isn't Sam Lowe's coming too? Yes, yeah, Sam Lowe's uh, is coming to, to a, what, uh, Mark Freebies. Yes, yeah, no, Satellite Ducati, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know the team on the is. Panic Satellite Um And so that's going to be interesting. Um, the, the, the championship looks vaguely similar. So it'll be Phillip Island, uh, then Barcelona, Assen, Marcos Cimicelli at Misano, Donington, um, Most, Algarve. You like Algarve, don't you? I do like Algarve now, yes. <laughs> oh, I've got a few tips for them, obviously. Yeah. Balaton Park Circuit at Hungary. That's the new one. <laughs> that is the new one, isn't it? Because the um, uh, it, it it's replaces Bruno because the surface... Most. Of, uh, sorry, versus Most, which replaced Bruno. Um, mm. Manicor again. Cremona for the Italian round, um, which is in Lombardy. Uh, it used to be known as San Martino de Lago. I still don't know it. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, then Aragon and Circuit Jerez in early September. What will you take away from the 2023 championship then? Uh, Nick, that Ducati um, still still have an advantage. Yeah, they had they had such an advantage. They managed to completely uh, uh, reorder the the the, uh, the teams behind them as everyone else got fed up with it and left and did something else. What was your uh, highs and lows? Who surprised you in a positive way? Who surprised you in a negative way? That's a really good. I don't. Think, you know, I think it's the the negative way would have to be how poor the Kawasaki was. Yeah. Um, relatively and, and speaking, it, uh, yeah. No, how poor it was. I'm not, right. not going to be relatively. Uh, how poor it was and, and, and how they didn't get on top of it. Um, I think the positives, it's interesting. I think I think I was I was pretty impressed um, with Locatelli at the beginning of the season. And I think you know, there was some, some, and it was always good to see Daniel, Daniel Petrucci out there um, muscling it all around. But in many ways, I think that the, the, the championship we got was mostly uh, poorer for an inability for a third team to be there. Yeah. Uh, and even the skill and determination and application of top rock Razgath Lioglu um, couldn't get him any closer than 5.52 to 6.28. In the end, all kicks off again then at Phillip Island in, at the end of February. I just happened to be in Australia uh, at that time of the year. Hmm. Let me just start looking at a road trip. Uh, Nick Damon has been looking at, at that championship with me, John Heindorf, and he'll be reporting on it again in 2023 uh, as we uh, keep an eye on World Superbike in midweek motorsport. But that was our look back at the 2023 World Superbike Championship. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.